Welcome to Ask the Preacher with Pastor Wayne Freed. I was out of jail on bond, facing over 100 years in prison, reaching for a gun to blow my brains out when God stopped me with a vision. I know what it is to be down and out. I know what it is to be up, and up is better. I told the Lord I was going to find out if the Bible was really true, and let me tell you, friend, that it is. The Bible is really true. Ask the Preacher, designed so that you can have your questions answered according to what the Bible says. Well, hello, this is Wayne Freed. I'm going to give you some of the best advice you've ever gotten. If you'll do it, it will spare you from untold agony and crying in the nighttime and all kinds of problems in every area of life. Listen to me carefully. Never, ever, ever under any circumstances, with anybody, in any situation, never, ever, ever, never, ever feel sorry for yourself. Did you get that? There's a, n there is never a justifiable reason. There is never a legitimate excuse to feel sorry for yourself. It's always doubt. It's always unbelief. It's always dishonoring to God. Always. Let me go over it real slowly. Never, ever, ever, under any circumstance, in any situation, with anybody, at any time, anywhere, never, ever, ever, never, ever, Feel sorry for yourself. Did you get that? If you don't, you'll stay in faith. It honors God. When you look up through the blood, sweat, and tears and say, God, I believe you. I believe you. I will stand and never quit. That's a quote from Keith Moore. He's impacted my life quite a bit over the short period of time that I've known him. When you're feeling sorry for yourself, you open yourself up. I, I, I want to talk to you about seven stages of, of oppression. And when you're feeling sorry for yourself, you open yourself up to those stages of oppression. There, there, there's seven of them. So, uh, you know, it doesn't start with the, the top, but it starts at the bottom like most other things. You know, there's a story that's been told through the years about a frog in a pot. They say if you put a pot of hot water on the stove and you put a frog in there, he'll jump out. If you put him in cold water, he'll jump out. But if you put him in lukewarm water and just very slowly turn up the temperature, that frog will literally stay in that pot until he boils to death. That's the way sin is. Hebrews 3.13 says the deceitfulness of sin hardens the heart. Those are powerful scriptures. If, if you were to read um, Hebrews 3.13, then I would encourage you to start with verse 12. Read Hebrews 3.12, and then 13, and then 14. And those three verses, well, I was going to say they'd scare the hell out of you. And they should. Seven stages of oppression. You know, a lot of people open up to the enemy 
through a number of different ways. One of them could be a traffic accident. But any crisis of life, a divorce, a death in the family, a broken relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, any crisis situation that causes you to be hurt inside and to become discouraged or depressed, it opens you up to negative thoughts, and the battle is in your mind. In 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3, 4, and 5, it says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now, we've all warred after the flesh. But here's where the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, is saying, don't do that. You see, all the Christians that you know of that are depressed, beaten down, disillusioned, they're all warring after the flesh. They're not using spiritual warfare. So I'm going to start again on 2 Corinthians, 3, uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3, 4, and 5. And, and he, he said, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, not in the natural, not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations. If you read that in other translations, it uses the word reasonings. Imaginations and reasonings. It's dealing with the mind. If the devil can bring you into the realm of reason, he'll whip you every time. It's not reasonable to do the word of God. It doesn't make reasonable common sense because the Bible <laughs> tells us to do things like when Jesus told Peter to walk on the water. It, it, it's not reasonable, but all things are possible to him that believeth, Mark 9, 23 says. So though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. All the people who are discouraged are the people who are walking after the flesh. Now I'm talking about Christians, the people who don't have a pastor that's teaching the anointed word of God, then we found their problem right there. But though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and reasonings, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. That'd be the Bible, the Word of God. And brings into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. If you have a thought that's anti-Christ, anti-Jesus, anti-Word, anti-truth, don't receive it. Don't meditate on it. Don't rehearse it over and over. It'll magnify itself. It'll get down on the inside of you. It'll bring death. So when we're talking about seven stages of oppression, remember that reg regression is the number one thing. It's, a, it's going backwards in spiritual force and power. It's the first warning that negative powers are evident. You know, one person, I don't know who she is, but Angela, um, Mercy, I guess is the way you pronounce that last name, says, consider that Lucifer does not sleep, but seeks our ruin a thou in a thousand ways. You know, there really is a devil. It's the same Bible that tells us about God that tells us about the devil. And uh, the thief cometh not, John 10.10 10 says but to steal and to kill and to destroy. 
But Jesus went on to say, But I am come that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. He also said, uh, in uh, I, I think it's uh, John 8, 36, uh, Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. God wants you free. In uh, Luke 4, 18, it tells us that he's come to set the captive free. Now, keep this in mind. Regression is going backwards in spiritual force or power. That's the first warning that negative powers are evident. That's the first sign that the devil has shown his head in your life. We become desensitized to evil. And, and that's, that's where I was saying that if we allow negative thoughts to come into our mind. You know, I was backslid in um, 1975. Actually, the end of 1974 to November 1st of 1975. And uh, when I came back to the Lord, and I was back in the saddle, I mean, living for God, going to church and doing right. Sometimes in the morning when I got up and I was shaving, I would find myself dwelling on some of the sins that I'd committed during that year. And I, I, I'd be 10 minutes into it sometimes. I mean, I'm just reliving it in living color. And then it hit me. What's, uh, uh, Philippians 4. Uh, uh, four, six, I think it is, six through eight. Whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And I wasn't thinking on those things, and it opened the door to the devil, and I began to regress, and I started going backwards in spiritual force and power, and I had to turn around. That mean, repent means change, turn around, and start the other way. Well, you're listening to Ask the Preacher, and this is Wayne Freed, and I'll be right back right after these words. You're listening to Ask the Preacher, a question and answer talk show with Pastor Wayne Freed of Believers Fellowship Word of Faith Church. Welcome back, and this is Wayne Freed. This is a Christmas season. This is the holiday season where people have family and loved ones and boyfriends are out looking for that special piece of jewelry for their girlfriend and that kind of thing. And everybody's excited. Almost everybody. Then there's the other side. There's the people who maybe don't have family or they're estranged from their family and their girlfriend and him are having difficulty. Uh, a lot of discord comes in in the holiday season, and there's a lot of people that get depressed. Suicide rates go up. Boy, folks, if that's a subject that I could get on, I'll tell you what. I was out of jail on bond, facing what could have added up to 100 years in prison. And I was out of jail on bond, reaching for a gun to blow my brains out when God stopped me with a vision. And I saw things about hell and different things that, that, that just turned me around. And I... I still didn't know what to do, but I raised my hands to God and said, if you're really there, I'm going to find you. And if you're not, I'm going to find that out too. But I'm going to take the time out of my life to find out if the Bible's really true or if it's not. The next morning, I rolled out of bed on my knees and lifted my hands to God and said, I meant what I said last night, and I'm going to prove it. I'm going to quit drinking, smoking, cussing, drugs, illicit sex. Everything I know is wrong, I'm going to quit it, and everything I know is right. I'm going to do it. I want to get your attention, Lord, because if you're not real and you can't help me, then I'm not going to prison. I'm just going to take my life. And I meant it, and God knew I meant it. 
But you know, there's two scriptures that say, when you search for me with all your heart, you'll find me. And there were times during about a six-week period from the time I was reaching for that gun to the time I was on a Harley-Davidson Sportster uh, taking my girlfriend back to uh, Tampa. And God dealing with my heart, I realized that I was a sinner, that I needed to receive Jesus as my Savior. I'd been going to church for six weeks during that time. Remember, I told you I rolled out of bed on my knees, lifted my hands to God and said, if you're really there, I'm going to find you. I mean, if the Bible's really true, I'm going to find out. I knew there was a God, but I didn't know if the Bible was true. I didn't know if there was a heaven and a hell and a judgment. And so I started going to church, and I started taking notes, and I started searching the Bible, and I started paying attention and listening in church like I'd never listened before. And six weeks later, on that Harley-Davidson, God began to deal with my heart. Things began to come to my mind, and I chose Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior and I started crying and tried to quit at first because my girlfriend was sitting right on the back of the motorcycle with me. I mean, you know, we always rode like one person, touching body, touching body. And when I began to ha ha, what do you call it, heave and, and sob and cry, I, um, I invited Jesus into my heart, and he changed me forever. I tell you what, not everybody's happy during the Christmas season. That's what I want to bring out. There are some lonely people, and there's a lot of suicide, and that is not your answer because then you'll be facing eternity without God. Now, we're talking about seven stages of oppression. I want to run through them real fast. Regression. I'm going to come back and break them down. Regression, repression, suppression, depression, oppression, obsession, and possession. Now, we talked about regression a little bit. We said it's, it's a, the first sign that negative powers are evident. It's going backwards in spiritual force or power. And we can become desensitized to evil. Uh, let me read you a passage of Scripture. It's in Hebrews chapter 3. It's 3.13 is the main verse I want you to see, but I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12, 13, and 14. Take heed, brethren. Notice who he's talking to. Talking to the church. The whole book of Hebrews actually was written to the backslider. He said, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in you, um, be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. You can't depart from something that you're not at one with, you know. I mean, put it this way. These are Christians. And he said, Take heed, brethren. Who's the brethren? Christians. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Verse 13, but exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceitful. It's like the frog in the pot. It's not just cold in your face, not just hot burning fire. It's deceitful. It's lukewarm. But exhort one another daily while, you, while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Verse 14. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Well, I'm not going to stay on that very long. I just want you to know that the devil's deceitful. I'll tell you another place is uh, Ephesians 4:14. And there again, really, it's verse 13 and 14 
and 15. I'm going to read that to you now. I wasn't going to, but I am now. Ephesians 4.13. Now, he just finishes verse 11 and 12. He says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of service and to build up the body of Christ. Verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. He means full-grown, mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I want you to know God wants us to grow up. This thing about getting saved and just making heaven, that was never God's intention any more than he ever intended for an acorn to remain an acorn. He wants an acorn to become an oak tree. He wants a baby to come, become an adult. So he said, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Listen to this now. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. I'm going to come back to that, I think. But verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. And and then verse 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. Just means if you'll hook up to the body, the church is the body of Christ. He's the head of his body of the church. Says that twice in Ephesians, I think it is. And, and other places, too. But, you know, you you can't find what your strengths are, what your gifts are, what your abilities are, until you begin to put your hand to something. And when you join into the church, now I'm not talking about you don't go to heaven because you're a member of a church. But the church is the body of Christ. He's the head of his body, the church. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, he starts talking about the eye and the hand and the foot. And he said, just because you're not the eye doesn't mean, uh, you know, if you're the a foot and not the eye doesn't mean you're not part of the body. See, we're all, if you've been born again, you've been baptized into one body, verse 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. And you're going to find that the church is, is the place where you can grow and develop and keep out of trouble because we just read that uh, he said the children are tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Listen to this. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. You're supposed to know those that labor among you. There are people in the church that will deceive you. There, there are people who want your money, and they will pre- preach God loves you and never preach about hell, never preach about judgment, because they don't want you to get offended and leave. They want your money. There's something wrong with that. There's something very evil about that. Now, we teach people how to prosper. We teach people how God wants to bless you. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews eleven six. I want to tell you the scriptures all through there about prosperity. People don't need to be stealing from you. They just need to do the right thing themselves. It's a, it's a shame, but, but not all churches are preaching the truth. I know one guy said to Brother Hagin one time, he said, you know, uh, not everybody interprets that the way you do. He said, I didn't interpret it. I just quoted it. Stick with the Word. Get in the Word. Read it for yourself. You're listening to Wayne Freed. You're listening to Ask the Preacher. And we'll be right back right after these words. Welcome back to Ask the Preacher, a question and answer talk show with Pastor Wayne Freed of Believer's Fellowship Word of Faith Church. Well, hello. This is Wayne Freed. We're talking about seven stages of oppression. One is regression. Two is repression. Three is suppression. Four is depression. Five is oppression. 
Six is obsession, and seven is possession. Now let's go back through those. I said earlier that regression, going backwards in spiritual force of power, is the first warning sign that negative powers are evident. This often happens during a crisis moment when people are hurt, they're down, they're discouraged, and so forth. But remember now, I read you Hebrews 3, 12 through 14. We can be desensitized to evil. That's what happens when we sin. Um, Hebrews 3.13 says it's the deceitfulness of sin that hardens the heart. Sin is deceitful. I I could preach on that for a long, long time, but I want to go all the way through these today, and we just have a little while, so I can't go into too much detail. But I want you to know that the devil used to tell us when we were just baby Christians and we'd be tempted with the girls and different things, and um, the first thing we did once we got depressed was uh, we'd smoke a cigarette because we knew that smoking a cigarette won't send you to hell. But as soon as we smoked a cigarette, as soon as we lit it up, the devil would say, ha, 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 oh, you've done it now. You have scratched the, the, the finish on your new car. You know, you, you've ruined it. You, 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 you're going to hell now. You might as well get drunk. Before long, we was drinking. And uh, then he said, well, now, my goodness, I mean, if you're going to smoke and drink, you might as well go get you a girl. And it just worked in that order so many different times. You learn over a period of time, but you don't need to suffer through all that. Uh, You can become desensitized to evil if you sin, and you don't want that. You want to be very sensitive to uh, to the Holy Spirit so that if there's sin involved, you stop it immediately because it's like a spider's web or quicksand. The more you wiggle, it seems like the harder it is to get free. There's uh, an acronym that we've used for years in our church. It's called O-TAPE, O-T-A-P-E, O-TAPE, and that's a person that's being tempted. Now, now notice that James 1.13 says that don't claim, don't say that God's tempting you because God didn't tempt anybody with evil. And verse 14 says, but every man is um, tempted when he's drawn away and enticed. Now, that word drawn away comes, we get the word allured from that. It's like a fishing lure. It's a trap. It's bait. He's, t- he's coming after you. He is he's deceiving you. There's deception involved. Every man is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. You can deal with that. You can bring the flesh under. You can feed your spirit and get edified. That's the number one thing is staying edified. If you're edified, the devil's temptations will go off. You're like water off a duck's back. If you're full of the word of God, you know when the devil's coming. You know what he's doing is wrong, and you can cast down imaginations and reasonings and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And you can bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So you don't need to just let the devil bring you into this O-tape and destroy your life. O-tape. The O stands for objection. I remember many years ago, over 20 years ago, we had a a group of people came with a a topless go-go bar and all, and the churches would get out there and and picket and, and all. And I remember I started on a new job as an iron worker over in Tampa, and during the break, they were talking about, oh, the churches are just advertising for it and all. And I just made the comment. I said, well, I'm glad somebody's doing something. And uh, the guy said, you're, the, you're a preacher, aren't you? And you're the worst kind. You're a lay preacher. And he meant that I don't do it for money. I do it because I believe in it. But anyway, objection. They, they start with objection. But if you're not careful, you move into tolerance. You finally say, well, you know, uh, we'll just let it, let it alone. Well, the next step to that is acceptance. We're talking about the acronym OTAPE, Objection, Tolerance, Acceptance, Participation, and Even Enjoyment. So you move from objection, 
to tolerating it, tolerance, to accepting it. Oh, yeah, you know, it's about a half a mile from over there at the topless place. Uh, to participation, so somehow or another things work a certain way. You're with a group of people, and you say, well, I'll, I'll go in. I just, I'll just go in with you guys. And, and before you know it, you're participating. But you don't enjoy it because you feel real guilty. But if you stay with it long enough, you can even begin to enjoy it. And these are stages. O-tape, objection, tolerance, acceptance, participation, and even enjoyment. Excessive flesh is spirit. When you are so Google-eyed at some girl, uh, some female, that's, boy, in today's day, it could be anything, couldn't it? But if you're obsessed with it, uh, it becomes a spirit. It's a red flag to a demon. It may just be excessive flesh to start with, but the devil will see you and uh, see that you're wide open to that sin and uh, that you're feeding it. And it'll, it, he'll latch on to you. And then you're dealing with something that's, that's a real problem. Then it's demon spirit you're dealing with. So we move from regression, going backwards in spiritual force and power, to repression. Now, repression is to restrain from within. It takes away the joy and gladness of life. It squelchers our ability of release and expression. Romans 14, 17 says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. God wants you to have release and expression. He wants you to be like a little child that jumps up and down, claps his hands, and so happy over his Christmas present, okay? If enough Christians were repressed, Satan wouldn't have any opposition at all. So to restrain from within, maybe you had people laugh at you when you were a small child, and now somebody can come along and say a certain word or do a certain thing, and all of a sudden you are repressed from within. You, you shut your mouth and you restrain yourself so that you won't have to face that uh, repercussion from your, from your so-called friends. So we've gone from regression to repression to suppression, which is coming from without, the restraining or smothering of one's emotions originating from without. Uh, then we go to number four, which is um, depression. Now, now, let me just back up. I said repression was to restrain from within. Okay, somebody is about to make fun of you, and you're, you're repressing your words, your feeling, your uh, ability of release and expression so that you won't be mocked and made fun of. Suppression could be likened to the restraining or smothering of one's emotion originating from without. Uh, somebody else is already doing it. They're suppressing you. You want to say something, and they won't allow it. Maybe you're on the job, and the boss won't let you bring your Bible to work uh, or, or a number of different things, but it comes from without. Okay, so number four is depression. Do you know depression is a broken spirit? It's a loss of hope. But I read something to you earlier, and uh, I'm, I'm going to read it to you again because I think it's worth it. I think it's powerful enough to interject this in the middle. We have a few more minutes when we come back from break, but listen to this real quick. This is a quote from Keith Moore. I'm going to give you some of the best advice that you've ever gotten. If you'll do it, it'll spare you from untold agony and crying in the nighttime and all kinds of problems in every area of life. Listen to me carefully. Never, ever, ever, under any circumstance, with anybody, in any situation, never, ever, ever, never, ever feel sorry for yourself. 
Did you get that? There is never a justifiable reason. There is never a legitimate excuse to feel sorry for yourself. It's always doubt. It's always unbelief. It's always dishonoring to God. Always. Let me go over it real slowly. Never, ever, ever, under any circumstance, in any situation, with anybody, at any time, anywhere, never, ever, 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 never, ever feel sorry for yourself. Now, did you get that? If you don't feel sorry for yourself, if you don't, you'll stay in faith. It honors God when you look up through the blood, sweat, and tears and say, God, I believe you. I believe you. I will stand and never quit. You're listening to Ask the Preacher. This is Wayne Freed. We'll be right back right after these words. You're listening to Ask the Preacher, a question and answer talk show with Pastor Wayne Freed of Believers Fellowship Word of Faith Church. Well, hello, this is Wayne Freed, and we are talking about seven stages of oppression. We said regression is going backwards in, a, in spiritual force and power. That's the first warning that negative powers are evident. We said repression is to restrain from within, and that suppression is to restrain from without. We said depression is a broken spirit, a loss of hope. Now, oppression is the next one, number five. Oppression is to weigh one down with something he's not able to carry. Now, that's what happened in Exodus 3.9 with the children of Israel. They loaded them down as slaves with so much that they couldn't do the job. And they were just oppressed from the slave drivers. Did you know that all the people Jesus healed were oppressed? They were oppressed of the devil. Sickness can be uh, a, a level of oppression. Acts 10, 38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. All the people Jesus healed were oppressed of the devil. Not a one of them was oppressed by God. Every one of them. Acts 10, 10 again. I mean, uh, John 10, 10, excuse me, says how... Uh, um, the thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am coming that you might have it, that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. One, uh, if you go back and study that out, some it says that you might have superabundant, superabundant life. Um, Acts, uh, Luke, Luke four eighteen. Uh, we're supposed to preach deliverance. Deliverance can come by people knowing who they are in Christ. Deliverance can come when people know their authority. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Jesus already defeated the devil. In Hebrews 2, 14, he says, For as much as the children were, were partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The word destroy there in the Greek does not mean annihilate. It means render powerless. Uh, Rotherham's translation says paralyze. Uh, that amplifies that he might says he that he might bring to naught n o u g h t might bring to naught the devil, so it, it's a it's a conquering. Jesus conquered the devil, and Colossians one thirteen says he's delivered us from the power of darkness. Colossians two fifteen says having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. 
Uh, Mark 16, 15 says, Go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized to be saved. He that believeth not to be damned. And these signs that follow them that believe in my name, they'll cast out devils. Well, you couldn't cast him out if you didn't have authority over him. Well, I need to stop there. We could go on and on. But Jesus has given us authority. Um, <laughs> it just came to me. Luke ten nineteen says, Jesus said, Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by enemies hurt you. The devil is under our feet. You'll find that in the first chapter around the 18th, not well, be around the 21st of um, Ephesians. Uh, there, there's so many places. So many people tell us that. You need to find out who you are in Christ because we preach deliverance. We preach people that Jesus has already delivered you from the curse of the law. And, the, and this is Galatians 3.13. The curse of the law is threefold, poverty, sickness, and death. It's like a three-legged stool. If the devil has control in your area over either one of those areas, poverty, sickness, or spiritual death, then he is bringing you into bondage. And you need to study the word and find out how he has delivered you from all of those. Now, they all work by faith, so keep that in mind. Um, oppression is the way one down with something he's not able to bear. And then there's obsession. That's a persistent preoccupation with an idea or emotion. It's like perversion, uh, where that's all you can think about, you know. You see, you've probably seen where people go to a psychiatrist and they have ink blots and they say, what does this look like? Well, it looked like a butterfly. Another guy says, look like a naked woman. See, so maybe he's got a spirit of lust and he just sees everything sexually. Um, it could be a persecution complex where you think everybody's against you. Well, almost everybody is today. First <laughs> John five nineteen says the whole world lies in wickedness. But the persecution complex could be a part of that. Insecurity. Oh, the devil plays on that. He plays on that. Uh, you ought to quickly just surrender to Jesus and say, I, I'm just nothing in myself, but I can do all things through you, Lord. And jealousy can be an obsession. You, people are obsessed with jealousy, robs their joy and peace, uh, hatred. All they can think about is getting even with somebody, uh, prejudiced. Uh, uh, all these things are, people can be obsessed with, and there's more. So these are demonic um, opportunities for the devil to get a, a, a foothold in your life. Number seven is possession, under full control of the devil. Now, you can have termites in your house without having termites in you. You can have sickness in your body and not have it. And it can be a demon, but it doesn't mean that he's in you. Man is a spirit. He lives in a body and he possesses a soul. We are told in Romans 12, 1 and 2 what to do with our body and with our mind, will, and emotions. Your soul deals with your mind, will, and emotions, and, but your spirit is recreated. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, He that's joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Jesus said in John 4, 24, that God is a spirit. In Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28, God created man in his own image. So we're more than the devil will ever be. We've got victory through Jesus. Seven stages of oppression, regression, repression, suppression, depression, oppression, obsession, and possession. God bless you. Get in church and get edified and stay edified. And Merry Christmas. Have mercy on me.